So this morning we are continuing on with our series in Joel. And if you remember last week, for those of you who are watching, for those of you who were here, uh, we turned a corner in Joel last week. We watched as Joel transitioned from his message of warning about the locusts were coming and began to give this message of hope and of encouragement. If you remember, he told us about this uh, in verse 19 and verse 24 of Joel chapter 2. He talked about how God would, uh, in times of crisis, God will provide and that we would be satisfied. And made this, this package, so to speak, the front and the back of this package. And in the middle of it, he was talking about that surely the Lord has done great things, these themes that repeated. And he said, too, so don't be afraid. In fact, we can rejoice and be glad because of what God has done, because of who God is. This last week I saw Joel addressing, last week I saw him addressing our current situation. This week I hear Joel calling us to look further forward, to watch and to see for what God is doing. The passage this morning is encouraging for me, because I realize that I'm still looking for direction in all of this. I'm still looking for God's hope. This week, as I was preparing this passage, I read uh, there was a cover of The Economist, which is a magazine that comes out of the, out of the UK, and uh, on the cover it said, uh, The Next Catastrophe and How to Survive It. And so I thought, oh, I've got to see uh, what it says. And I just wanted to see what it suggested. And uh, it said, essentially, that you know, there's all sorts of catastrophes, whether it's pandemics or meteors or volcanic eruptions or things, all these different catastrophes that could happen. And essentially it was saying you know, like to, to rely on or to, to urge our governments to be more prepared. And I started thinking, you know, relying on other human organizations, uh, especially depending on your opinion, how flawed they are, um, to provide more um, safety for us, um, I started thinking to myself, you know, really, that's, that's the answer. And I started thinking and questioning that. And it got me asking, you know, where do we get our hope? Which way do we go? Who do we follow? Where do we get our direction in navigating this pandemic? In fact, I'm even asking, like, how do we join God in growing his kingdom here? Some of you are asking these sort of questions, too. Last week, I, I feel like Joel was helping us get back on our feet uh, in terms of um, encouraging us that God would restore uh, what the crisis has taken. This week, I hear Joel saying that where things are headed, not just in the next few days, but further out. I hear God calling us not back to the way things were, not back to business as usual, but actually forward into a new faithfulness, into a new revival, into a new faithfulness following Jesus. So let's pray before we get into the text here. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit would guide us. Uh, Lord God, we pray for your Spirit to guide the words uh, that I say. Uh, Lord, you'd help us to understand this text. Help us understand the words that Joel is saying to us, what you are saying to us even now in this time. We pray for your help, Holy Spirit. If you would open your Bibles to Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And 32, we'll be looking at this passage here. It's in the Minor Prophets section, so if you open to the New Testament and head a little bit left, you'll find it. And um, so let's just dig into this text here. So Joel says, afterward, actually the Lord, uh, the Lord is speaking through Joel. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now this afterward, I just want to make a case. This goes back to last week when, when Joel said, you know, the Lord will restore what the locusts have eaten, what the locusts, this plague of locusts that they had experienced, what had been destroyed by them, uh, God would restore. And so Joel is saying, after this, God will pour out his spirit. Now God pouring out his spirit is, as an, is a signal. It's a, a signaling event from God. It's a new era. It's the beginning of the last days. 
And this happened at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended on the people of God. And they, if you remember that story, the Holy Spirit descended on, on the disciples as they were gathered around in a room on the, on the Sunday, on the first day of the week. And they all began speaking in different languages. And there were lots of people gathered for a festival in Jerusalem. And they heard them speaking in their own language, and they were amazed. And so Peter began explaining to them that this is what the prophet Joel, the, prophet, the, the prophecy that we're going to be reading today, this is what Joel talked about. It's being fulfilled right here in your hearing. Now, that was 2,000 years ago that the Spirit came and filled the disciples, and 3,000 people were added to the number of, of Christians in that day. And I was thinking about how Pentecost was uh, a time of crisis, and that the church, Jesus had uh, been killed, he had risen again, he had ascended into heaven, the church was trying to find its way now that Jesus had ascended and gone back to the Father. So not only was there some crisis of, you know, what do we do now, but there was also this idea or this, this instance of revival, as the Holy Spirit came on people. And they were filled with, their, with the Spirit, and they became faithful, and the church grew. And I see some correlations with us, too. This, too, is a time of crisis for us. Uh, there's uh, all sorts of questions about where do we go from here? What sort of things will be happening? And so there's this, this crisis moment for us. There's also this chance or this hope, this prayer that I have, that there would also be revival. Revival in our own lives, revival in our church, revival in our community as people would uh, ask bigger questions about life, that they would be uh, less disrupted by or less distracted by all the things that were going on, and asking questions about, you know, what happens when we die? Uh, what is meaningful in life? And that they would begin asking big questions and finding those answers in Jesus. So uh, Peter was experiencing the time like this in Pentecost, and Joel, going back to him now, back to Joel's prophecy, says that the Lord will pour out his spirit, and not only that, he will pour it out on all people. This is no longer God's spirit poured out on just a select few. In the Old Testament, the old, um, the poor, God would pour out his spirit on a few certain people, uh, maybe a prophet, or maybe a priest, or maybe a king. But it's very selective. And here Joel is saying, God giving him the words to say, now God's spirit will be poured out on all people, raising up all of God's people for ministry, raising up all of God's people for work in his kingdom. All Christians, the moment you begin believing into Jesus, we are filled with God's Spirit. Now, it's true, we are filled with different gifts, and not everybody is called to be an evangelist. Not everybody is called to be a faithful carpenter and build houses. Not everybody is called to be a, a Christian who is worse in, in finance or, or real estate. We all have different gifts that we've been given. Now, he says this, Joel goes on to say, Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, the point of this, this passage is that God isn't so much saying, like, who's going to get what gift. It's more important to know is that everybody will receive the spirit. That's what the point that God is making here. Both male and female, old and young, free and slave, all people will receive God's spirit. I just want to make a quick note here. In NIV, it says here, my servants. Now, in the Old Testament, my servants can give us, can sometimes refer to people who are especially faithful. They are called servants of God. And so, um, in NIV, it might give us that sort of inclination that God is talking about really faithful people. But actually, in Hebrew and other translations, it's just servants generally. Even on servants or on slaves, both men and women, will receive the Spirit. Now, this is interesting because God is saying that I'm going to lift up even the lowest people of society. I will lift them up to be equal. 
equal with priests and kings, all will receive God's Spirit. I was thinking about that some this week. You know, right now there's a lot of unrest in our society, especially in the U.S., some here in Canada. People of color are voicing their experiences of discrimination. They point, out, they point out problems in our system, things that they see, ways that they are untreated unjustly. And as people of God, as benefactors of this Holy Spirit, we are to push and to advocate for equality, for equality for our brothers and sisters who struggle. Um, as people who have been delivered, as us, it's part of our faith to help deliver others, especially those who are being held down. Now, I was talking about, I was thinking about Galatians as I was studying this, that in the kingdom of God, there are neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, all are one in Christ Jesus. And because of that, as a church filled by the Spirit, we are called to encourage each other, to help those, especially those who are held down. All this to show that God is on the move. God's Spirit coming on His people is demonstrating that God is at work in our world, giving all people divine revelation, helping them see and to explain who God is, that God is at work. Now, in verse 28 and 29, God is going to demonstrate His power by pouring out His Spirit on people. In verse 30, God's going to demonstrate His power in the heavens and on earth. The Lord says, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the dreadful day of the Lord. Now, God is demonstrating his power in the world not to show off, not to get everybody thinking like, well, you know, so God can say, look, everybody's looking at me. That's not how God operates. He's actually trying to remind people, one, first, that he is God, that he has this power, that he is the sovereign God over all of creation. But more than that, he is grabbing people's attention. He's saying, focus on me again. Focus on God. Focus on who he is and what he calls us and how he calls us to live. Now, the job of a sign is to grab our attention and to point us towards something. A sign is to give direction, like, look at this. This sign is meant to point people towards God, to return to him, to follow him faithfully. There's also this sense of that sometimes it's called like a telescoped reality or a future event that is talked about as though it's coming very soon. Now, some of these events have happened. For example, the outpouring of God's Spirit happened at Pentecost. And since then, we still see um, similar experiences with, you know, like where the Holy Spirit will descend on a group of people. But this outpouring of God's Spirit has already happened uh, in those days at Pentecost when the church was gathered. But the final day of the Lord... The final day is still coming. As we see events happening right now, we realize that it is, every day is coming closer and closer. Whether it's happening today or tomorrow or years from now, we should live faithfully. We should continue to live with urgency. Urgency in terms of our own faithfulness, that we are following God well, the best that we can, and also that we're encouraging our neighbors to know Him and to follow Him too. This day of the Lord this is a day that is spoken of in the Old Testament and the New Testament. This day of the Lord is the day when those who have been following God, when those who are righteous, not because of how well they follow the laws, but because of how faithful they are to Jesus, when they will be vindicated. When they will be, this day will be a day of celebration of Christ's return. But it will also be a day of judgment for people who, who insist on rejecting who Jesus is, 
who refuse to follow him, who refuse to follow his way of living, who are unrighteous, who are unjust, the day of the Lord will be a terrible day, a dreadful day for them. So Joel keeps going. He says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. From Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord has called. Now, this, this is amazing grace. The guy said, This day of the Lord is coming, but everybody who calls on his name will be saved. Now, this is... Uh, this is a pretty surprising shift or a pretty surprising thing when you think about it. First of all, for those who might say, well, you know, this day of the Lord isn't fair and, and God just wants to zap people. He says, if you'll call on my name, you'll be saved. That's all you have to do. You don't have to uh, keep certain laws. You don't have to do a bunch of, go through a bunch of hoops. Just call on my name. Now, it's interesting because this is an interesting idea because in the Old Testament, people thought, well, faithfulness was how many sacrifices you did, how, how well you did that, how strict you were at following the rules, how strict you were at following Sabbath. This is actually text begins to look forward to a Savior, to one who makes salvation based on faithfulness, or assuming based on faith rather than based on how well you do or follow laws. In this day of Pentecost, when Peter was preaching and saying this prophecy is being fulfilled, Peter is urging this crowd around him to follow Jesus, to call on Jesus' name. Now, to call on a name essentially means to trust, to put your faith in. It doesn't mean just, you know, hey, God, please can you help me out, and then you'll be saved. Because there are some people who do that with, with, um, uh, who don't really mean it. They're just saying, God, please help me so I can go on with my life without you. What he's saying here is people who put their faith in God. People who genuinely say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I accept you into my life. That's what to call on his name essentially means. And this text here, this passage is the part that Peter wanted people to hear. For people who are gathered around, and this is something I want people to hear uh, in our community right now, is that if we will call on his name, if we will put our faith in him, God is faithful and he will save us. He will save us. Now, I wanted to talk about this some, too, because this idea of saving, sometimes, and, and this has been a part of Christian tradition for the last couple of decades, is getting the idea that you've been saved. And what that means, some people interpret that just to mean that I'm saved so that someday when, I'm di- when I die, then I'll get the good stuff. And that's not really what Jesus meant. When he said that you would be saved, what he meant was that we would have a new life that begins right now. That begins right now. And that, uh, taking, that our life would take a new course. That we would put our faith in Jesus and we would start living the way that he calls us to live. The way that he taught us to live. That we'd have life more full right now and life more full that goes on forever. And I was thinking about this, you know, sometimes, especially people who are outside of Christianity, they think like, man, there's just so many rules and like all the fun is stripped out of life. And I think about it and I think, And I've been following Jesus for a few decades now and how it has made my life better. How it has worked in my marriage with my wife. How how as I think about Jesus and my faith and wanting to be uh, faithful to him, how it shapes the way I father my children. How it shapes the way that I work and act and, and live in my community to be a blessing to people, to be honest, to have integrity to ask forgiveness when I mess up because, trust me, I mess up. I fall short. But this new life, it's not just someday when I die, 
Because the moment I began believing in Jesus, growing in this new life, this saved life. And there's the hope, too, and there is um, the, not the hope like, boy, I sure hope it happens, but more like the expectation, and I look forward to it, the hope that life, this life I have that God has given me goes on forever. That when I die, it's not the end. I actually begin this new and this amazing relationship with Jesus in a new way. And so I'm encouraged by this. This is, I think, what God is saying when he says saved. He says there will be deliverance for all who call on the Lord, for those whom he calls. Peter was talking with the, with the people who were gathered around him at Pentecost because he wanted them to call on the name of Jesus to realize that God was calling them to this new life. That's my hope for us, is that we keep hearing this, that one, it would remind us that God has called us, and two, that we are saved by calling on his name. Now, <clears throat> there's a few things uh, this passage we could summarize it kind of into two parts. The first is what God wants us to know. The second part is what God wants us to do. The first thing I want to talk about is what God wants us to know. So first of all, that he will do great things, so be encouraged. God has poured out his spirit. He's already done that. And there will be signs that come that saying that the day of the Lord is near. Maybe this pandemic is part of it. I don't know. But for us to live faithfully, to be encouraged. The other thing that I wanted us to hear, or I think God wants us to know, is that he's telling us ahead of time the things that will come. So don't be afraid. There will be things that will be difficult and troubling, things that will be scary. But for us to not be afraid, to keep trusting in him, to keep seeing that all of these days, all of these events that are coming lead us closer and closer to his return, that we would be even more faithful in light of that. The other thing that I think God wants us to do, this is the other part of it, that God wants us to know some certain things, but he also wants us to do. He wants us to call on his name so that we would be saved. Now, as I look out in this room, uh, many of you, well, I think all of you actually, have already called on Jesus' name, so to speak, that you have a genuine faith in Jesus. Maybe some of you are watching this morning and you are wondering about Jesus. I invite you to call on his name as well. If we call on him, we will be saved. And we talked about that already, but that's not just someday when we die, that's a new life that begins right now. Not only that, I think God wants us to join him in mission. To be urgent about our faith and urgent about the faith of others. To join him in mission so that others would be delivered too. That our friends and our neighbors, those people that we care about, those people that we know, that they too would realize who Jesus is, that they too would be saved. I see God making a way for us through this pandemic. I see God this chance for us to grow even more faithful in our relationship with Jesus, for us to, to know him more deeply, to follow him more faithfully. But I also see God um, calling us to be more committed to mission. Now, this was, this was interesting. This last week, Tracy was telling me about a friend, uh, a person that we know who's a faithful Christian, saying, you know, I think this could be uh, like a, one of the signs that Christ is returning soon. And she was telling about that person, about the, the ministry they were doing, the ways, like the urgency they had in their faith. And I, you know, as Tracy was telling me this, you know, like I was, I don't even know why, but I was a bit um, skeptical, so to speak. I was, 
I kind of thought, well, you know, and maybe this is more than this. And, I, and as I was thinking more about it days later, I was going, you know what? That person has the right response. That has, he, he has the right response that, that we should have. An urgency. Whether Christ is coming back tomorrow or years from now, that we, the right response is always urgency. Urgency about our own faith, that our faith with Jesus would be good and growing, but also faith, or sorry, but also urgency about the faith of people around us, our friends and our neighbors, that we would be a blessing to them, that we would be an encouragement to them, that they too would realize who Jesus is, that they would call on his name and be saved. And so I was thinking about it for us this, and this morning, but also for this week, that we would begin praying, Lord God, we pray, we pray that your kingdom would come. We pray, Lord God, that you would pour out your spirit again. We pray, Lord God, that you would pour out your spirit and bring revival in each of our lives. That we, too, our faith would be revived. That maybe right now, some of you, like our, some of you, our routines are, are mixed up or they're gone. Um, that we, too, would get back to devotion. Whether that's morning, scripture reading, and prayer, or times of fasting, or days of solitude. That we would gather um, closer to Jesus again. That we would redouble our efforts. So that we would... Uh, commit our heart back to him, that we would grow, there would be revival in our lives. But also we're looking for revival in our church as well. As faithful as you are, that we would see even more ministry, even more faithfulness coming out of this church as a blessing to our community around us. Also see revival in our community. We pray, Lord God, pour out your spirit again that there would be revival here in the Kootenays. That more of our friends and neighbors would realize who you are, Lord Jesus, and their lives would be changed. Their lives would be changed for the better. Those who are alone or addicted. Those who have broken relationships. Those who have despair in their lives. Lord Jesus, they would see who you are and their lives would be turned around. That we would pray for an outpouring of God's Spirit in our community. We pray for an outpouring of God's Spirit in our nation. That our leaders would see who Jesus is and they would begin doing things His way. That there would be an outpouring of God's Spirit in our nation and people would return to faith. That we'd see faithfulness grow in Canada. We pray for an outpouring of God's Spirit around the world. That whether it's our brothers and sisters in the Middle East or Asia, that the church would grow. That whether it's our brothers and sisters in Latin America or Europe or Africa, that God's church would continue to grow, that His kingdom would come even more. We continue to pray, Lord God, please pour out your spirit again, that more and more people would call on the name of Jesus and be saved. This is the, the big picture. This is where God is calling us. This is the good news for us this morning. Amen.